Looking forward to that day. Hmm. Can't wait. What a wonderful, amazing day that will be. Spent two Sundays at the church that best folks go to, and and it was kind of neat. Uh, Beth was spending time while we were there studying Jude, and of course I was studying Acts, and he was in Second Timothy, and the first Sunday we were there, something he said just fit perfectly in with Acts, and the second Sunday something Beth says, oh, that's great, I can use that in Jude. So it was a it was a fruitful time as, as well as a really relaxing time, good time with, with Beth's folks. Um, yeah. Yeah. We did it. We did a whole bunch of nothing. We were we were even going to try to go to go to a Tiger Spring training game, and God said, "No, nope, no, nope, you need to rest." So he canceled the you know the preseason. <laughs> you thought that was Major League Baseball just want more money? That was God just want me to have more rest. <laughs> no, we had a, we had a good time, but it is good to be home, and um, it's kind of fun to sit and listen to another pastor. Be, be under somebody else for a couple of weeks, and um, that's probably why my voice might go hoarse today. Is because I was off for two weeks. I did, you know, rested too much, and um, didn't didn't break or have one snag in a fingernail while I was down there for two weeks. And since I've been home, two already. It's blasted cold weather. <laughs> Just rips them up. Sorry, you guys weren't able to meet together last Sunday. Glad everybody, the decision was probably a wise one, and everybody stayed home and stayed safe. And um, it's, whatever it did this week, it's still just nasty out front. Our, our, I apologize, our plow guy didn't come. Um, I called him this morning. I just, we told him when it snows, come and plow, you know? And so it snowed, so I just assumed he would come and plow. I called, like I said, I called about 8 o'clock this morning, and didn't get a response, so that's kind of frustrating, but do please be careful out there because it's just nasty, and there's still all that ice and that underneath the new snow we got, so we don't want anybody falling. Father, as we come to you this morning and look into your word, we ask that you would help us to understand what our lives mean to those around us. We pray, Father, that we would allow you to influence our lives so that we can positively influence the lives of people around us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the lessons in it. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that will open our eyes and give us understanding. And Father, through this, May your name be glorified, may your name be exalted, and as we leave here today, may we leave here thinking about Jesus. Thank you for this time and this privilege, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. A few weeks ago, before we, before we left for Florida, we were in chapter 4. 
Yeah, we started chapter 5, didn't we? Um, but in chapter 3, we remember that that's where Peter and John were heading into the temple. The lame man was healed. Peter had cause to give his second sermon. Chapter 4, they were jailed. The Sanhedrin didn't like what they were doing. The, the, the Peter and John were getting the attention of the people that the Sanhedrin wanted for them. And if you steal my thunder, we're going to steal yours and throw you in jail. That's what the Sanhedrin said. So they were thrown in jail. And they were given opportunity to come before the Sanhedrin. They said, Why, what, what, what name did you do this? And I always think it's funny that they, they threw them in jail because the, this man was healed. And yet when they brought him out and started questioning him, they said, what name did you do this? wasn't the fact that the man was healed, it was in whose name. Because they were disturbed. If you remember, they were, they were concerned because the, the Sadducees, which are part of the Sanhedrin, the, the religious ruling body, they didn't believe in the resurrection. And so for them, for Peter and John to accomplish this miracle in the name of Jesus Christ, if the Sanhedrin... And the Sadducees were going to acknowledge that Christ actually, that it was Christ's name had power and this man was healed in the name of Christ. That Christ had to have been resurrected and had to be alive. That there had to be power in that name and they didn't want to do that. So they were, the, the, in the end of chapter four, the, the, the Sadducees released them from jail and said, go, don't preach in this name anymore. So John and Peter immediately ran back to where the group was meeting and they, they held a prayer meeting. And they praised the Lord for, for what had happened and that they were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus' name. So they had that, that prayer meeting in, let's see, uh, chapter 4, verse 13. And when they had prayed, the place they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. And then in the next few verses, they, we see that they began to share earthly possessions. They would sell something if somebody had a need in the church. In the last couple of verses of chapter 4, there was a man named Barnabas, and he sold his property and brought it to the disciples and laid it at their feet. He didn't do it for his own glorification, but he did it for the help of the church to help those that were there. Ananias and Sapphira saw that and said, you know, we'd like, you know, we'd like some of those strokes. We'd like to be patted on the back like that, like Barnabas just was. Except we can't quite give all the money. We, we want to hold some of it back. So we know that they conspired. And, and, and one of our commentators there at the time said that, that Achan or that Ananias and Sapphira were to the church in Jerusalem in the book of Acts, what Achan was to Joshua. When we went back and looked at Joshua, he hid it under his, his tent. He, he stole things when they, when they conquered Jericho. And he and his family paid the price. They were stoned for that. F.F. Bruce said that an act of deceit interrupts the victorious progress of the people of God. Because in the beginning of chapter 5, we see the word but. Things were humming along good. They, they, they were giving God the glory. They were praising His name. They were sharing with one another, meeting each other's needs. But 
And Satan wanted to change the direction of the church. He wanted to defeat them. He wanted to tear them down. And so he had he worked through Ananias and Sapphira to distract. But it kind of had the opposite effect of what Satan wanted it to do, though. We, we know that the presence of God, be it through the preaching of the word, be it through the miracles that were taking place, be it through the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives, some people are afraid of the Holy Spirit. They're afraid of God's work in their lives. And then there are others that are drawn to it. And I would dare say that, that the ones that are drawn to it tend to be those that are humble in spirit. And the ones that are afraid of it are the ones that tend to be more proud and arrogant because they don't want to come under God's authority. They don't want to yield themselves to God and say, God, take, take my life. Proud and arrogant people want to do it on their own. They think they can do it on their own. They believe they can do it on their own. But none of us can. Along with F.F. F. Bruce and his comment about an act of deceit interrupts the victorious progress of the people of God, we, we cannot treat sin lightly and expect God to bless us in our lives, in our church, in our nation, in the world. We cannot treat sin lightly and expect God to bless us. And then I had read a, a section of the book from Tony Moran. It says, if you, he said, if you don't stand in awe of God, you are unwise. Destruction will come eventually. If you don't stand in awe of God, you are unwise. Destruction will come eventually. That gets us to Acts chapter 5 this morning. We'll begin in verse 12. At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico, but none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem, and all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number to such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets, laid them on cots and pallets, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. And also the people from cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. All of them. The, 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 the key to this passage is, is not the number of people that were healed. Okay? The key, the key to the passage is about the number that were saved. The ones that came to Jesus because of the work of the apostles. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians 1. This this didn't come to my mind while I was studying, and I don't know why it did all of a sudden, but to, to, to draw a parallel here, in the Old Testament, 
It was God's design and plan that there would be one woman and one man for each other, and that when they were joined together in marriage, that they would never be separated. But because the people came and complained, Moses, God, Moses talked to God. He he, he allowed them to to divorce in, in the case of unfaithfulness in the marriage. Here. We're going to see in 1 Corinthians 1, and I hope you see the parallel because I've, you know, I, I study and I see things during the week, and that parallel makes sense to me to, to this. I hope it does to you. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? We're discussing here human wisdom versus God's wisdom. For since the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God, excuse me, verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, The world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs or attesting miracles. And Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. To those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Okay? In the Old Testament, the Jews wanted an out. They they asked for divorce. It wasn't God's plan, but they asked for an out. And here, it wasn't God's plan necessarily to give them a sign. He wanted them to trust and believe in him because of who he was, that he was their Messiah and what he'd done for them. But they asked for a sign. I don't know if they were from Missouri, you know, the show me state. Show, show me and I'll believe. But they asked for a sign. Again, that wasn't necessarily God's plan. It wasn't what he wanted them to see. But because they asked, he used the miracles. And the, and the whole purpose, I'm going to steal my own thunder from the very end of the message. The, the whole purpose of the sign and his miracles were to draw people to Christ. That Christ would be exalted, that he would be recognized as God's servant, the child that grew to a man to, that came for the purpose of dying on the cross for us and being resurrected. Now the Sadducees, again, didn't like that. And that's what, and it's kind of funny, because it, it doesn't see it here, but we'll see it again next week, is, is that Peter, every chance he gets, seems to be jabbing the Sadducees. They say, in the, name of, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Almighty and Righteous One, He is alive. And Peter preached the resurrection over and over to them. Unfortunately, the, the Holy Spirit was directing him to preach that, and the Holy Spirit was goading them, was goading the Sadducees. See, 
They were looking for a Messiah, but when he came, they didn't see him. He was right in front of their face. And Peter says, you killed the Messiah. Let's get back to the passage. (laughs) Verse 12, at the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were with one accord. Okay, that's the key word here. Go back to the beginning of the book of Acts. They were with one accord. This is one of those themes that we see through running throughout, and I'm going to drag you back through it every time we get there because I want you to keep seeing it through the, through the book. Acts 1.14, they were with one mind, were continually de- devoting themselves to prayer. Chapter 2, verse 46, and day by day continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Chapter 4, verse 21. They were all together glorifying God. Verse 24. When they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. Verse 32. They were, and the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And now we see again here in chapter 5, verse 12, they were all with one accord. And what is the scripture when we go through this and we talk that they were together with one accord, with one heart and one mind? What is the scripture I always bring up to you? Oh, class, don't hurt me like this. Philippians chapter 2, it says, let the mind of Christ be in you. We will never be unified if we try to have the mind of John Michael. We will never be unified if we try to have the mind of you or you or you or you or anybody sitting in the pews. That will not unify us. What will unify us is the mind of Christ. Turn there. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe I just tell you about it and and don't make you turn there and read and look at it for yourself. Philippians chapter 2. Starting in verse 1. If there is any encouragement of Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion... Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. You got that? You are more important than me. That's certainly the way I ought to love you and treat you. And put you and the, the very simplest way is to open the door for someone. You are literally putting them before yourself. But that's just a small little tiny picture of what that means. Verse 4, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of mine. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We need to be of the mind of Christ. Peter, in the first part of Acts here, well, we know Luke wrote the book, but God is using Peter to to continually draw them into that that one-mind mentality and not into Peter's mind, but into the mind of Christ. That in the name of Jesus, they are accomplishing these miracles. That it is in the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus that they are able to heal. And that these need to come to Christ. These miracles are great, but the real, kind of like those shoe boxes, those little gifts are a whole lot of fun for those kids. And man, when God answers prayer for a kid, I, I just always think back to that one of them, the, the little kid that wanted a matchbox, and he went up to the people and asked them for a matchbox, and he said, well, we don't, you know, what, what's in the box is what you get. And he opened his box, and half the box was full of matchbox cars. It's a, it's a method, it's a tool to be used. These miracles were tools to be used by God. But the purpose was to draw people to Christ. The purpose was to teach Christ, Christ resurrected, Christ glorified. And that it was in his name. So they were with one accord again in Solomon's portico. And it's, they, they were on the, the porch on the east side of the temple. Temple area covered about 26 acres. And the portico is all down the, the east side. And it's kind of kind of interesting that the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees let them continue to meet there. Uh, I guess sometimes, you know, I'm going to screw it up. What's the old saying? Keep friends close and your enemies closer. And maybe that was their purpose. Maybe that was their intent of letting them continue to meet there. But they were in such opposition to what they were teaching that... Um, you know, I guess they wanted to see what was going on and be able to have their, their hand on the pulse of what it was. None of the rest dared to associate with them. This is what I was talking a little bit earlier about when, when God's work is present, when God is present in his Holy Spirit in the preaching of his word um, and, and through these miracles, some, some people run from it, some people are afraid of it, and they tend to be the, the proud, haughty ones. And, and the ones that, that buy into it and accept it are those that will humble themselves and come, come under the authority of God. But if we look back to chapter 1, uh, verse 15, it says, At this time Peter stood in the midst of the brethren, a gathering of about 120 persons. Well, the only ones that are preaching, doing the miracles, and getting thrown in jail here are the 12 apostles. So where are the other 108 The rest, the, none of the rest dared to associate with them. They, they were, you know, they, they, and it, it's interesting because in chapter one, they were the ones that were filled with the Spirit and they were speaking in, in foreign dialects so that others could understand. They were proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet when the rubber meets the road and it gets tough, where are they? However, the people held them in high esteem. There, there, there was a lot of, and not everybody was willing to put their neck on the chopping block. Not everybody was willing to do that. 
But if it's easier to stand back and say, oh, man, i got a lot of respect for those guys standing up doing what's right. And that's what they did. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. Four weeks ago, we talking about the Spirit-filled church and what are signs of the Spirit-filled church. And there were three. One is that there was unity in the church. And two, that they had favor with people around, the, people from outside the church. And the third one was that they would grow, the church would grow as, as we seek to be effective witnesses. You know you have a power-filled church. A Holy Spirit-filled church when you do. You grow in numbers. Again, that's not the goal. That's just a side effect of people sharing their faith in Jesus Christ and living their faith of Jesus Christ in front of their neighbors. So here in verse 14, the multitudes of the men and the women were constantly added to their number. It was interesting the number of the commentators that made comment about the women being mentioned there. Because normally in this society, uh, in that age, and even in that part of the world today, women women are mostly treated as property. Well, Luke wanted to make sure that we understood and saw that women were coming to faith in Christ as well as the men. That, that Jesus believes that women have value. That they're, that they're worth something. To him, he loves women just as much as he loves men. And, and in that... In that era, that was a statement. That was a big statement to be made. Verses 15 and 16 talk about the influence. Uh, there, there's a, 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 is there really five after hours? Somebody, that, that clock moves too fast. Um, in, in Asian culture, there's the idea that if there's a, a, an influential person that, that you want to, the, the kids would try to get their, or excuse me, parents with their children close to somebody who was influenced, uh, that, that their shadow might just fall on them. And, and of course, if it was somebody bad, they'd try to make sure they, they kept their kid away from them because they wouldn't want that bad influence to be, the shadow to, to be on their kid. To the extent they even carried the sick out into the streets, laid them on cots and pallets, so when Peter came, unless his shadow might fall on any one of them. Um, Peter's name is mentioned, but this is very true of all of the apostles. All of the apostles were, were being used by the Holy Spirit. Peter wasn't the only one. that The Holy Spirit wasn't stronger in Peter than he was in any of the other apostles. But it's just that Peter is the key figure. Well, he, he's the one that keeps speaking up and preaching here, so that's the one that Luke mentioned. But the commentators talk, and, and it's you know Greek to me. It's, it's more than I know about Greek, but they say in the, in the structure of that, the, the intention and understanding is, is that it was all the apostles, if, that, that, any, that the people would try to bring their, their sick and their lame and their, their demon-filled uh, relatives, friends, neighbors, whatever, to just to be in their shadow because of the power of the Holy Spirit in and through them. So they, some, some, uh, some churches tend to glorify and worship Peter. Um, and, they, and they would use that to point out that it was Peter that was the greatest. And that's not just, just not true. It's not what the word says if you, if you know the Greek. It was that all of the apostles were being used by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
to accomplish the signs that the Jews were looking for. And the the signs were being given to lead them back to Christ, to help them to understand that Jesus was their Messiah, and they murdered him. All the people, verse 16, all from the city's vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits. They were all being healed. Not any of them was not healed. All of them were being healed. And we we have evangelists or so-called evangelists on TV today that, that have healing ministries that they can't heal everybody. And when they when they when they can't heal somebody, they say, Well, you didn't have enough faith. It's your fault you can't get healed. You don't have enough faith. Guess what? That wasn't an issue here. Because this, this was done in the power of the Holy Spirit. They were all being healed. They were being healed of their physical infirmities as well as the, the, the demons were being cast out in the name of Jesus. So it was the, these miracles were approaching the physical needs, but it was also approaching the spiritual needs of the people. Do you have a, a good influence on people around you or bad, where if 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 you were if, if your neighbors saw you coming, and, and this was common in our culture, would, would they be one that they would want to prod their children into your shadow, or would they get away from there? That they that they wouldn't want their child to walk in your shadow. Which which is it? There was a president of a railroad company. Great rail, one of the biggest railroad companies in the U.S., and he died. And so, in honor of of the memory of him, at 2 p.m. on the given date, all trains, all activity, anything that had anything to do with the railroad would cease for five minutes. Everything would be still in memory of him. And at 2 o'clock on that given day, everything stopped. And it was to remember the man and what he had done building that railroad to, to what it was. The, the influence that he had didn't stop then. It, it went on down through the life of the railroad. Scientists say that if you will drop a pebble in the ocean, the molecular disturbance from that one pebble will reach shores thousands of miles away. Yeah, I scratched my head like, no, really? <laughs> Trust them, I'll believe them. The molecular disturbance from a pebble dropped in the ocean will reach the furthest shores. The tomb of the unknown soldier on the sarcophagus in Washington, D.C., well, I guess it's in Arlington, it says, here rests in honor, glory, an American soldier, known but to God. Don't know his name. Don't know his name. But the influence that he's had on lives and people to go to see that and understand your life for your country, we don't know his name. There's, there's a little, little girl in 2 Kings chapter 5 
who convinced Naaman that there was a man of God, Elisha, in Israel that could heal him from his leprosy. We don't know her name. What great influence she had on the captain of the the Syrian army. In Matthew 14, we read about a little boy that had five, five loaves and two little fish. What was that little guy's name? We don't know, but we still read about him today. The influence that he had is still happening. There was a woman at the Pacific Garden Mission that the Lord used to lead Billy Sunday to the Lord. Nobody knows her name. They know who Billy Sunday was. There was a young Sunday school teacher at a church in Boston, but he worked in a shoe store with a young man by the name of Dwight Moody. Do we know the name of the layman that led him to the Lord? Nope. So we we have an influence. We have an influence. I want to read this from uh, W.A. Criswell. And the Lord will say, When did you do to one of these what you are doing to me? God writes it down in the book of life, and that is why the reward is never bestowed until the influence goes on and on, and only in heaven will one ever know what it means. Let me illustrate whose name has been forgotten, surprise, gave a tract one day to a very bad man named Richard Baxter, who read it and was converted. Baxter wrote a book called The Call of the Unconverted, which brought a multitude to God, and among them Philip Doddridge who in turn wrote a book, The Rise and Progress of Religion. This book brought tens of thousands into William Wilberforce. Wilberforce wrote a practical view of Christian Christ, among whom was Leah Richmond, who wrote a tract, The Dairyman's Daughter, which has been the means of the conversion of uncounted Anon. Look how that began. A woman whose name has been forgotten gave one tract to a very bad man, and the influence has gone on and on. When that woman stands at the judgment bar of Christ and the Lord bestows upon her her reward, think of the amazement that will overwhelm her and the crown in her glory. And You don't know how far your influence is going to reach and how long it will go on for generations. So are you influencing people for good or for bad? Are you influenced in the name of Jesus? God was telling Israel that the, Jew, the Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy, was indeed their Messiah and Savior. Irritated and upset with these apostles that kept preaching Jesus in the name of Jesus. That's why in our songs we... We love to exalt the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings. Love to praise His name. I don't. I don't. And I, I may get myself in trouble with it. some of you. I don't know if I do. I'm sorry. But it, there, there's there's good hymns and there's bad hymns. There's good praise songs and there's bad praise praise songs that are worthless. But the ones I don't like to sing and to till the day I die or leave here or whatever, I'll do my best to not ever sing them in this church. Is is hymns or songs that focus on me or us? 
Because that's not where our focus needs to be. Our focus needs to be on Jesus. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you so much that you love us so much that you sent your son because you loved us so much. Father, teach us to love because of the way you loved. The example that we have and can see. And Father, help us to be so concerned about our neighbors that the shadow from us that falls needs to be in the name of Jesus, in the love of Jesus. For your name and for Thank you, Father, for your word. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.